Welcome to Rainmakers. Now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Rainmakers. I'm here with Hall Martin, founder and CEO of 10 Capital Network. Welcome, Hall. Well, thanks, Carl, for having me. Good to catch up with you. Yeah, so you and I met because you had invited me on to to do a podcast of yours. And uh, and so I am reciprocating and having you back on, realizing that you are you are a connector yourself, right? Uh, you you do a an, a podcast about raising venture capital. It's geared towards entrepreneurs and venture capitalists, right? That's right. It's called Investor Connect, and that's what we do. We connect startups and investors for funding, and the podcast educates investors and startups about the funding process. And I was looking back through your career. I, I looks like you're from Texas. Did you grow up here? Yes, I was raised in Dallas, went to undergrad at Baylor and Waco, and then came to Austin for uh, graduate school. Went to UT Austin for an MBA, and then when I got out of that, I started working at a company here in town called National Instruments. And uh, when they went public in 95, I started doing angel investing. And so that's how I got into the early stage world of uh, venture capital. And then you started to organize angel groups. And and then you you now have a business where you do a lot of connecting of entrepreneurs. Talk about how your that that activity evolved over time. Sure. So when I uh, went to National Instruments, uh, I was employee number 93. About uh, 15 years later, they went public and uh, started doing angel investing. And we had an angel group at the time called the Capital Network here in Austin. And it ran from 95 to about 2002. And they were kind of tied up to the dot-com world. And when that went away, they went away with it. So we didn't have an angel network in Austin for a couple of years. And so in 2006, the city did a restart and they called it the Central Texas Angel Network. And I was the first member to sign up for it. And I wanted to invest with other people because I found that it was just very challenging to invest on your own. You know, the amount of deals you have to go through and the diligence was just overwhelming. So I wanted to be with a group. And so when they started CTAN, I said, hey, I want to be a part of that. But when you're the first member in a group, you're automatically on the board in charge of membership. <laughs> it's a great honor. You know, there's no pay, but it's a great honor. And then about a couple of months into it, we lost our director. So I became the director and I ran it for the first two years and we, we established it. We had about 50 members. We got about 5 million invested in uh, 20 deals. And we ultimately got a 40 X return out of that, uh, out of those investments. We had two that were just fantastic home runs. And with that, my undergrad Baylor, they came to me and they said, well, Bill Petty of the venture finance department said, we have some alumni that want to start an angel network. Can you help us? And so we started an angel group out of the Baylor University Alumni Association. And we gave the, we recruited students to do the actual analysis of the deals. They do 20, 25 hours of work on each one. So they got really great experience and then they got great jobs afterwards. And so we kept growing that program. And then Williamson County came to me and said they want an angel network. And so I got a group of people together, mostly Sun City retirees out of Georgetown. And we were doing deal flow out of the Terra Vista Golf Ranch for about five, six years. And we called it the Wilco Angel Network. And then in 2009, I, I saw that, you know, I saw the challenge that startups had in raising funding, you know, their documents weren't prepared, and they didn't know how to pitch and nobody followed up. And so I decided to start what was called Texas Entrepreneurs Network. And we were basically helping startups and investors connect for funding. Over the years, and we actually got all the way around Texas with funding forums, all the way out to El Paso and all the way around the state many times. And then 
uh, in about 2010 to 15, I said, well, I really need more than just angels. I need venture capital. So I started flying to the Bay Area in New York. And that's, that's where the VCs were at that time. Today, they're everywhere. And we have plenty in Texas now, but back then we didn't. And then about 2016, 17, I had a whole bunch of family offices come into my network wanting to look at deals directly. They didn't want to go through funds anymore. And in 2017, I started getting calls from outside of Texas from startups saying, I want access to your investors, but, uh, but I'm not in Texas. How do we do this? So we changed the name to 10 Capital. That's what 10 stands for. And then started doing deal flow around the country as opposed to just here in Texas as well. And to date, you know, over the last 12 years, we've helped entrepreneurs raise over $900 million. We have 12,000 investors in the network at this point and are continuing to grow the, uh, the, the program and the process to help raise funding. COVID had the impact of putting everything online and we were already online and distributed in our company. So we were well prepared and well, well positioned for what's now the next generation of fundraising, which is syndication and online networks. And so that's, that's how we got to where we are today. And are you going to expand that investor network, um, the individual investor network beyond Texas, or are you going to keep it local? So we, we actually have quite a few investors outside. For many years, we ran off the angel groups in Texas, but we needed venture capital and we needed family offices. And those came from across the country. Uh, I will say the venture capital still is a little bit heavy on West Coast, East Coast, and the family offices come from all the major cities around the US. Uh, but we, we went national. And this is a coaching I have for startups. From day one, you need to have a national perspective on your fundraise. Yes, you need support from your local community, but you, you'll find that it, it can be hard to get all your money in one city or one geography. You're really going to have to expand further. My rule is you'll get a third to a half of your fundraise from your local area, and then after that, you're going to have to look further afield. And so that's why we position ourselves on a national scale is to help people do that. I'm helping many communities where they want to support their local entrepreneurs, and they'll put in 250, 500 but then it runs out and then they come to me and I'm taking them to the rest of the country is how that works. So you just have to keep drawing the circle wider and we have a network to help put you in front of other investors. So Hall, I know how hard it is to develop relationships in, in that world because I've, I've done that over the years, um, starting with the venture capitalists and then I've worked down to angels. Um, you know, getting, getting wealthy individuals or anybody to part with their money for a speculative deal is, is hard. Talk about how you've managed to get the trust of these individuals and cultivate those relationships over time. Sure. So in running the angel networks, I, I met many angel groups. I used to go to the Angel Capital Association summit meetings around the country for many years, met and have now over 200 angel groups in my network that I met and worked with and talked about. And then we also have high net worth individuals that come in that we run an education program where people come out to learn how to invest in funding. One of the programs I have is what's called the Startup Funding Espresso. It's a two minute podcast, very short on one topic about startup funding and investing that you can either read or listen to. And it comes on your inbox every day, Monday through Friday. And so an educational tools like that are always helpful as well. And then we did a series of funding forums around the country for a couple of years before COVID hit, where we were actually going into New York and LA and all these other places and meeting with investors, bringing them out, having pitch sessions with startups and building that relationship as well. One relationship we have is we help many VC funds raise uh, their fund from limited partners, such as our family offices. 
So we meet a lot of our investors from the fact that they want help raising their fund for doing the deal flow. And then that relationship carries over into funding startups that want to go through the funds. Well, as I'm talking to you, Hall, I'm realizing I need to get to know you better because your your world dovetails with mine so much because we do fund formation work here at Cooley. And, uh, and I'm getting hit up all the time for you know, helping raise venture funds. And, and that's not really something that I do, nor, nor, you know, nor, nor am I very good at, I'm good at finding them deal flow. And I, and I have a big entrepreneur network, but if you've got those LP relationships, um, that, that could be huge. So we're going to, you and I are going to have to talk again when we're not being reported and figure out how you do all of that and, and what your business model is, because I could be a good referral of business for you as I imagine. Great. As I mentioned, a lot of your uh, podcast guests are. And how in the world did you ever find me? That's that. That's the big mystery here. Is like you know, you're very well connected. How did I end up on your radar? Well, most of our podcast interviews come from referrals. When we interview investors, we say, "Who else should we be talking to?" And people give us a list, and so we go out and we follow up. So some investor put your name on the list, saying, "Well, here's an interesting guy you ought to go talk to," and so we go do it. And we we love in interviewing investors. The vast majority majority of our interviews are that. And you know, we originally started this as a nonprofit at Investor Connect, which was, I, I wanted to, I, I used to meet a lot of investors who said, I, I invest in real estate or oil and gas, but I don't invest in startups because I don't understand them. I don't know how to do that. And so we started a group about seven years ago under a nonprofit to educate investors on how do you invest in startups. And we kicked it off in Austin with a, a lunch and learn we do once a month. And we meet at various places around the around town and have 40, 50 people come out. And they we would have experienced investors talk about how do you invest in startups. The, the problem with that model was it didn't scale. As soon as I went outside of Austin to Dallas, Houston, it, it didn't really play well. So I decided I really need something that's online from the get-go. And that's how I came up with the idea of InvestorConnect.org is it was basically a online mechanism for uh, interviewing people about how they invest in funding so other people can log on and listen and learn from that. Uh, as, a, as an angel myself, one of the best places I ever learned about angel investing was from the Frank, the Frank Peters Show podcast. Frank Peters was a Tech Coast angel out of Southern California who did over 50, 450 interviews with investors on how they invested. And I found those very, very illuminating. I listened to them all the time and cited, well, that is a great educational tool. So I moved my program from the lunch to a podcast format in order to help people learn more about how to, how to invest in startups or how to raise money for a fund. Anything related to the investor side is what we focused on. Well, it sounds like you've happened into a lot of these things that you're doing. You, you, you made some money uh, from the IPO. You invested as an angel. You teamed with others, and then you liked the group thing, and so you started to replicate the group thing, and it's, it's kind of evolved. Do you have a vision of where you want to take this in the future? I just want to continue uh, expanding it upwards and outwards where – we engage more people in startup funding. So I was a big fan of the crowdfunding movement. I think it's a great way to democratize funding and get it out to more people, get more people coming in on these deals. There, there does require some education and diligence to make a successful investment. And I think the crowdfunding world is still starting to come to grips with that part of it. But I, I was there when angels came into being in the 
they came actually they started in the the, the 80s but uh, they really took off in the early 2000s because when i was at the capital network uh, group we would have companies come out and stand up and they would literally ask for five million dollars to start a web business that's mm -hmm. what it costs to start a web business back i then remember those you days to, <laughs> yeah you could raise five you could raise five million dollars too you can't do that anymore that's right, you know, because they were building their own server farm and they were paying American wages for everything and they, they had to buy everything, they couldn't rent anything. You know, fast forward uh, 10 years and now in the 2000s, the cost of doing a business, those same guys were now asking for 500K to go raise funding for their startup. And that moved it from the VC world into the angel world very quickly. And so the angel group, you know, expressed dramatically, well, it's continuing to devolve downward. Now in the crowdfunding world, people put in $500 because you're aggregating a large number of people in one one uh, fundraise using uh, Reg CF or uh, Reg A uh, uh, structure. And so that's, that's where it goes is that it goes down and out. More people are involved, but the checks are getting smaller and smaller, but there's many, many more people that you can go for. So now you need access to large numbers of people. So when we started uh, the angel groups in the 2000s, they were under the dinner club model. We all go downtown to meet in one place and we would uh, you know, look at deals and share the diligence and that was great. Uh, but when you're doing three or four deals, that's fine. When you're doing 30 or 40 deals, uh, that's no longer fine. Because now I have people coming in saying, I got 100K. I want to build out my start portfolio, but I need diversification. So I, I got to spread this 100K over at least 10 deals, better 20. So instead of coming in the room like an angel used to do with a 100K check saying, okay, you get it. Now they come in with a 100K check and they say, okay, five for you, five for you, 10 for you, five for you. And they just spread it across more deals looking for a hit. That requires online access. You really have to get to that much deal flow. You have to be online with portals and syndicate platforms and those type of things. So I think that's where it goes. I think it just goes online like everything else is going online and that we're going to see a lot of uh, sharing of information between syndicates and trying to you know shop deals from one group to the next. And we'll see lots of groups uh, form. And I thought the university was a great place to do this because you have a real affinity for by the investor back to their university. And one thing I noticed about the group at Baylor is their, their why is about students, education, and experience. And so the turnover rate's very low there. Other groups where it's just about the financial transaction, just about the return, the turnover rate's very high. They would come into the room, into those groups with you know three 75K checks, bang, 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 now what? I'll just go hang out at the wine bar to see see how these turn out. Well, it takes five, seven years to figure out how that's going to turn out. Right. That's a long time hanging out at the wine bar. So that's just <laughs> kind of where it goes. It's, uh, it's, it's forming into syndicates. It's going back to groups that are more than just about funding. There's some affinity beyond that. I think social impact is going to be a big driver. People will collect in groups because they want to help solve a certain problem. They'll collect with university because of their association with them. And so it's going to be something plus money. And so that could be social impact or it could be support or something else. And, and it'll be online in, in most cases. And there'll be a hybrid model. There'll be physical meetings, but most everything else, as far as the diligence and the screening and the investment, that's all going to be done online. Is where so all you, may, you may have lost a, a large portion of my audience because it's a business development podcast and, and they're not necessarily uh, steeped in, in, you know, investor finance stuff, but, but I am, and, and I'm insanely interested 
you're talking about. And I, I'm realizing that you and I need to go spend some quality time together because to, to match my network up with your network could, could be pretty powerful. And when you talk about, so this is true business development. When, when you talk about wanting to expand your, your, you know, little empire or network outward, I think about where my team is and, and, and literally we are outward. I mean, we, we have, we're, we're hiring a person in Chicago right now, business development person. So they're going to be plugged into the, the venture ecosystem in Chicago. I have a, two people in Boston. I have one in New York, two in DC. I have all up and down the coast of California have business development people that are just ensconced in that whole world of angel investing, accelerators, venture funds, et cetera. So I, I think we need to put our heads together and figure out how to to do this. And I need to have you as a guest on one of our business development team calls to to start develop those relationships if you're up for it. Sure. Glad to uh, talk to investors and to uh, people. We help uh, you know, the investors raise funds for their deal and we help startups figure out how to go raise funds for their uh, their company. So glad to meet uh, anybody you think is a, is a good contact and share more information because I, I think we went we went through a transition over COVID because especially at the angel groups, people realize you can transact a lot of this online, which was my thesis 10 years ago when I put my program online. I, I I was sitting in the angel group room looking around saying, well, you know, half of what we were doing here, screening deals and diligencing them and so forth, that could be done online. Why are we doing this in a room? And sure enough, that time has now come. People realize the efficiency of it and they're not going back. They're going to go forward. Oh, yes, I agree. The, the, the relationship is still there. You, you still need to have the social and there's still that, that aspect of it. But one advantage I saw online is you have so many more tools available for you, data analytic packages, drives, I mean, the, the Google Drive to go search and see, you know, look up competition and other facts, and you can make decisions as the pitch is going on. And I think that's, that's where it goes, is uh, making investors more effective with these tools. Well, Hall, we've uh, come to the end of uh, our allotted time here. It goes quick. Um, it's hard to have a beer together online, so I, I'd like to, like to sit down with you and get to know you better in person if you if you'll still do an in-person meeting um but uh, in the meantime i want to thank hall martin a founder and ceo of 10 capital network for being a guest on our show today if you like what you heard today please subscribe please share the podcast with your friends and rate it thank you so much you have been listening to brain makers with carl grant 